Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, December 26. To be creative, first relax your mind, then offer it up to God. Every worthwhile accomplishment was conceived first in the infinite. Now this particular day, Swami has given us two sentences. You know, some of the ones recently he's given us a page and a half. And in this one he's giving us two sentences on something that is really tremendously important. So I'm going to draw on many other things that Swamiji has said about creativity that are relevant here. Swami himself was an extraordinarily creative man, just prodigiously creative. I mean, to the point, and let me say this, toward the end of his life, he actually drew up a document. And it was a document that said, I did it all myself. (laughs) He said, in later generations, people are going to think that I couldn't possibly have done it all myself that I must have had help from a lot of people. And then he referenced um, Alfonso X of Spain, who uh, has to his credit some 400 pieces of music, uh, mostly devotional music, much of it written to the Divine Mother. And this is all involved, but Swami deeply believes that he, in a previous incarnation, he was Alfonso X, and his father was Ferdinand III, and Ferdinand III was Yogananda, and Swami was his son. And in the incarnation when Yogananda was William the Conqueror, Swami was his son, Henry I. And in the incarnation when Yogananda was Yogananda, Swami was his spiritual son, Kriyananda. Now that's a lot of stuff, you know, for those of you who are not used to thinking like that. There's a wonderful book written by Catherine Kairavi, and it's called Two Souls, Four Lives. And it's about the William the Conqueror, Henry I, Yogananda Kriyananda connection. It's just a marvelous study of the of how you can how through history you can see uh, repeated reincarnations of prominent souls. Now, let's see. Oh yes, so Alfonso the Tenth was re- among many things that he did. He was reputed for being a linguist, um, for being an artist in many different ways, for uh, architecture, for astronomy, and also for music. <clears throat> and Historians speculate that he put his name on the creations of many other people because they can't conceive of someone having that much creative ability or being so prodigious in their creativity. Now, Swami Kriyananda's life, which many of us witnessed, he wrote by the end of his life 150 books and over over 400 pieces of music, and half of them were songs with beautiful poetic lyrics um, and founded nine communities and lectured all over the world in in multiple languages. Just, it goes on and on. So I'm not quite sure what motivated Swamiji, but maybe just like in the last year or a little more than a year before he died, he wrote up this document that basically said, you know, history will, will try to say that it was done by many people. It was not. It was done by me. He said, but it was done by the power of my guru through me. And all of it was done entirely and only and sincerely 
to serve Master, and every note and every word was, was carefully conceived of in attunement with my Guru's consciousness. And that's how and why it was all done. And then he asked various of us to write um, declarations that basically said, we were here when he did it, and he did it all himself. And a few of us did that. It, it didn't get as widespread traction as perhaps Swamiji had wanted because it was, it was such an uh, unusual document. But I, I wrote a declaration saying, you know, I, since 1971, I've been in close association with Swamiji, and I watched his manuscripts grow. I was one of those people in, for the first six or seven years I typed for him, and intermittently in the years since then, I also typed into the computer for him. I helped him as a, in, in a secretarial way. I, I reviewed his manuscripts. I watched him take input. I watched him integrate that input, and I watched him do it all himself, every single bit of it. I mean, I'm a first-hand witness to it. It was very interesting. Now, starting with that, Swamiji actually stated, because, you know, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda himself was also a creative artist. He wrote poetry, he wrote some books, he wrote some music. It's not always so that a highly evolved spiritual person also is an artist. It's, it's, um, there has been a tradition of, of, of overcoming the ego by suppressing it, overcoming the ego by suppressing self-expression. And one of the, the changes that Master incarnated to bring to us is we transcend the ego not by suppressing it, but by attuning it to the divine and allowing the divine to express through it. And in that way we we put aside self and we, we realize our self is part of a greater reality. And the, that, that's the real freedom that we're looking for. So Swami Kriyananda's creativity was in service to his master because Yogananda came to a very uncongenial country, uncongenial, completely un- uninformed about the ancient spiritual teaching he was bringing, and he had to create a, an entirely new expression of an ancient teaching to fit into this time and place, and also to be appropriate for the rising age of Dwapara. And Master set the tone. Master laid down the foundation, but it was actually his disciple, Swami Kriyananda, who took those, those seminal ideas and expanded them. And even what Kriyananda did is still seminal work that it's going to take generations um, to, to fill in. But Master came to show that spirituality can be expressed in every field of life, that's, that, that spiritual life and life are one, one truth, and that once we understand that self-realization is the goal of life, that everything else assumes a very different character. And that is precisely what Swami Kriyananda did. He wrote about how self-realization expresses in money, money magnetism, material success and happiness through yogic principles. He talked about how it's expressed in educating children with education for life, how it expresses in intimate relationships in marriage with his book, um, Spiritual Relationship as a Path to Self-Realization, or however it was expressed. Artistic expression itself, art as a hidden message, I'm just beginning. 
secrets for men, secrets for women, secrets of persuasion, secrets of inner peace, and then, of course, superconsciousness. How do we live in superconsciousness? It goes on and on and on. He wrote about the oneness of all religions. He wrote about modern nihilism and the, the folly of um, the existential crisis and how to truly resolve it. Just Well, there's 150 books, so it goes on for a long time. Commentaries on the Gita, commentaries on the Bible, mystical interpretation of the Rubaiyat. And what Swamiji said was he came to bring a, a new understanding of creativity. And he told us constantly about what he was doing. And at first, you know, if you didn't understand, it was a little confusing because Swamiji... Well, for one thing, his energy was extraordinary. He just had an an extraordinary amount of energy, a perseverance, a consistency, a concentration that was, well, you can't even say beyond the ordinary. It It was beyond ordinary comprehension, the amount of energy that he would put through. But he also said he did it all by putting his attention at the spiritual eye and asking his guru to act through him. And as simple as that, that's how he would do it. And sometimes he would give satsangs, especially when he'd been away for a while, or he'd been in seclusion working, or just been a particularly notable period. And sometimes he would just tell us, well, I wrote this book and I edited that book, and then I had to meet with these people, so we set up for this tour, and then we did this, and then we did this. And then sometimes he would say, is there anything else that you can remember? You know, And somebody would say, oh, you did this and this. And people who didn't know him would think, what an egotist. You know, just sitting there telling us all he would had done. But what he was actually saying is what could be done. And then he would just say to us, I couldn't do this, but I put my attention at the spiritual eye. I asked God and Guru to work through me. And then there was the flow. There, there was no block because there was no self to block it. It was true ego transcendence, just allowing myself to act. And the other part of it was exactly what he's written here in these two sentences. He was saying, he said, I've come to show people a new kind of creativity, he said, which is tuning in to the infinite source and simply bringing into this world what already exists. And this is the two sentences that he's written here. Because, see, there's been so much emphasis on the egoic aspect of being an artist, my ideas, my muse, my self-expression, my emotions, my, my, my. And Swamiji has expressed in history that madness among artists is a relatively recent phenomenon. And it's risen in exact proportion to to which faith in God has declined. Because great artists, you know, great musicians, Mozart and and, uh, Beethoven and others, they knew that they were not the source of what they were doing. They heard it. Mozart heard it so clearly and so completely that it bored him to write it out. And he would have people with him just to entertain him while he wrote out the music because he just listened to it. He didn't have to create it. He just listened to it. And he wrote it down. Beethoven heard it. They hear it. It comes from another source. When the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the composer finished writing um, The Messiah... The, the beautiful Messiah, he was just weeping because he heard it, and it was so beautiful to him. Swami wrote a piece called Chant of the Angels, and it was the same thing. He said he didn't even know what the chords were 
that he was writing down. But he would hear them and find them on the piano and then copy what he'd heard. And he was often very precise about the music he wrote. He said, because it's not mine. It was given to me. And he would just write down what he, was, what he heard because it already existed on the infinite level. And that is like a whole new way of developing ourselves. And that's what he writes in his book, Art as a Hidden Message. And the, the point being that the true greatness of art is the consciousness of the artist. The message of art is the attunement of the artist. It's not the medium, it's not the form, it's not what it actually represents. The message is the vibration of the, auth- of the, of the creator and the degree to which the instrument through which that art has come is attuned to the true source, then that's what determines greatness in art. This was a revelation Swami had when he was 18 years old. He wrote it as a college essay. He, he wrote to, he wrote his, his college essay said that the greatness of art is determined by the quality of light that emanates from it. The, the clearer and brighter and whiter the light, the greater the work of art. He got an F on the paper. His professor just thought he was just crazy. But Swamiji said, and he said it, I knew I was right. Swami wrote that, wrote that theory out. He wrote it out seven times. He wrote a first, first an essay, then a pamphlet, then a small book, then a final book. And he published it seven times, wrote it seven times, counting the first is the F paper, before he, he felt he really said what he wanted to say. But he knew it was true, and he also knew it was a fundamental message that he was bringing for our age, taking Master's beginning expression of that. And Master said the same thing. There was a, a, Master published a book called Whispers from Eternity, which were beautiful poetic prayers that Master wrote or said spontaneously. And and someone said to him, can you, um, is creativity under the command of the will? And Master said, of course. He said, here, take down this poem. And then he just dictated on the spot this beautiful poem, which was published in Whispers from Eternity. And then when the book was reviewed, the book reviewer said, everything in this book is exquisite, but this poem is the best of all. And it was exactly that one. And so that's what Swami's trying to teach us. Everything in us stops and says, oh, I can't, I can't. But why not? That which, you, which I do, Jesus said, ye shall do in greater things. That's what Swami said. I'm, I'm not being egoic and saying that I'm doing this. Just put your mind at the spiritual eye and ask Master to work through you. Or at least try to be creative that way. Because in doing so, we will not only create art, but we will create enlightenment within ourselves. So Swamiji says... To be creative, first relax your mind. And what he means by that is relax away from your, your tight self-definition. Relax away from your ego. To be creative, first relax your mind, then offer it up to God. Every worthwhile accomplishment was conceived first in the infinite. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.